Microsoft is leaning more into consumers' rights by, to right to repair by s- selling controller repair kits. Plus, Kickstarter is now going to make sure projects divulge how they'll use AI. Tonight is August 6th, 2023, and the Bobby Blackwell Show featuring your calls and chat comments is up next. So, so not, you would say uh, even if... Okay, I'll let you go. You talk. Wow, what what happened to your voice? Thank you, Skype. So, video games, that's what the show is about. This is that one, Akia Ripper from uh, Sweden. And what's with all the Halo hate, Bob? You've been hating on Halo a lot lately. I I just don't like shooters. I'm not saying it's a bad game, I just don't like it. Billy OK says he can't be seen in public playing games that aren't hardcore. What would people say? And what up, G and Chad is once again talking about wrestling. That's why it's it's not because they hate the fans. It's more because they have to start from scratch. Uh, hogwash. Later. From a little room in Atlanta, Georgia, Bobby Blackwolf. Nobody's behind me. I'm checking. We're not going to let that happen again. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a Nobody Behind Me edition of the Bobby Blackwell Show, where we discuss the current news affecting the video game industry, as well as sometimes a reminisce about gaming's history. My name is Bobby Blackwell. If you're joining us live here on the Voice of Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Vognerwork, welcome. Thank you so much for being here tonight, and uh, thank you so much. So far, we have a type train going on right now. Uh, and, uh, usually when we do hype trains, uh, on, on Twitch, I will jump in and gift five people, but I'm on the show right now, but I believe I just type this into chat and, uh, I, I'm going to contribute to the hype train and get some more subscribers. If you're subscribed to our Twitch channel, you get to, uh, see our, uh, VOD archives. And so you can actually watch the videos of this. Uh, so um, I will read out the people who were part of the hype train here that started uh, before we went on the air or actually during the little break in the beginning. Uh, so uh, I will read those out at the end of the show. Uh, so uh, but I also want to thank people who have gone above and beyond and uh, with, uh, with with the show and supporting us. And we will thank you all then. But if you can't be here live on Sunday nights, I completely understand it's Sunday night. It's uh you know, time for family. Uh, so uh, I do understand. We do have a, a Discord server, vognetwork.com slash Discord is where we are throughout the week. Uh, so you can uh, join us then and, uh, and and join us there. Uh, talk about previous episodes, uh, things we talked about. There was a little conversation about roller coasters because I talked about my Disney trip a little bit ago. Suggest stories because uh, this is actually a slow news week this week because uh you know i I guess everybody's playing baldur's gate 3 which i am not playing so uh not because i wasn't interested in it it's just it's um i don't i don't normally play those type of like strategy D &D, you know D D based games uh never really were into those uh computer rpgs the crpgs of the 80s i know quest buster if he's in chat he's like how, how dare you not be into those? Those were the best, and I agree. They were the best uh, for other people. Um, but so I, it really wasn't on my radar, but it may come on my radar at some point. I don't know. Uh, so, and Questbuster is in chat saying, having a fun, ton of fun with Walder's Gate 3 so far, but it's tough even on story mode, expect a challenge. Well, that counts me out. Just just kidding. Like, I can... It's not Twitch reflexes. It's, it's, it's fine. It's, it's all dice rolls, and the dice is not... The, the dice is sometimes not not good to me sometimes um uh so yeah so you can join us on the discord server if you can't be here on sunday night um and i do want to uh i want to highlight uh, uh 
I, I want to mention one thing just because it's been a lot that's been going on in my life and people here on the channel have have probably heard me talk about it tonight is today is actually the one year anniversary of the passing of my mother. Um, and I actually still did the show. It was a Saturday last year because that's how dates work with years. It goes one, one the next calendar day. Um, and I still did the show on Sunday night because uh, I needed it kind of as, you know, something to get my mind off of what happened. Um, but that was a year ago today. Uh, and I'm, I'm pretty much fine. And in fact, it's kind of been a weird thing. Uh, the house that I grew up in that you've heard me talk about multiple times where I find things like Commodore 64 pamphlets uh, and, uh, you know, for $595, you can get what nobody else can give you for twice the price. I actually have like one of these. The, the, I found found one of these Commodore 64 pamphlets. Uh, this one, what does it have with it? Oh, printer and a, and a, and a, is that a modem? Vic modem. They actually had a Vic modem on this. Anyway. Um, I actually, uh, uh, the house that I grew up in, I actually sold to, uh, a, re a real estate agent friend of ours. And, uh, I actually sold it back in May. We cleared it out, got it all, everything out of there, sold it back in May. Uh, and, uh, they went and renovated it and actually went on the market this week. And I actually got to go back to it and it is no longer my home. Uh, it is in a very uh, it's it's not it's not a million dollar home, but they're getting close to it, and and it's a very good school district and stuff, and so they made it look, um, what do they call it, uh, luxurious neutral, on the inside. So my house that was built in the seventies when I grew, uh, so that tells me how old I am when I moved in there when I was three months old, and we were the first owners. I was built in the late seventies. It still had a lot of that late seventies wood aesthetic and, you know, carpet choices and stuff. And now it's all white. Everything is white. They even painted the brick white. Uh, so it's no longer my home. So I'm kind of glad I got to see it one last time. And now it's like, it's just a house. And hopefully the next family that buys it will, um, will appreciate it as much as I did. <laughs> Maybe they'll paint the walls, something other than white. Um, so that's, it's kind of been a closure. Uh, and what that does mean is that I also kind of pushed to get a portion of my house here taken care of with, because we were using the room where we set up all our board games and our board game table, uh, to, uh, you know, for stuff that I brought back from the estate that I wanted to keep like Commodore 64, uh, yeah, stuff. Like, I actually brought back a lot of Commodore 64, like, wires and cables, and I found, like, my old koala pad. Uh, if you don't know what that is, um, you can Google it. If you know what it is, you can be like, wow, you found your koala pad? And I'm like, yes. And all of the, uh, and, and all of the, 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 uh, the cables and the manuals for it. Um, but I was able to clear off that table, which means finally, I have gotten back into Lego building. Uh, I have a backlog of Legos. Uh, that I've been basically collecting for a year because a year ago this week, Lego released the Atari 2600 set. And uh, I bought it that week. And I was like, yeah, I mean, you know, because my mom was in the hospital at the time. So I, bought, I went to the mall, bought it, and then went to the hospital to go see her uh, in the ICU. And uh, I was like, yeah, and, you know, maybe like next month or something, I'll get to it. And uh, uh, a year later, I started it. Uh, so I'm about halfway through right now um and uh you know working on parts of it with my wife and we're doing some of it myself and uh i did get i, I posted this on social media and somebody's like you should stream it and film it and um i'm like uh uh no 
Like it's this. I've got, I got I got my I got records on the turntable, uh, and I am just you know Zen building this. I am not on a stage. I am not interacting with anybody. I'm not trying to film for content. Uh, so yeah, I will show I will show you the end product when it gets there. Uh, it is not there right now. We are um, about we we finished uh, bag eight out of nineteen. So. Um, but I'll show it when we're done. As Jerry Matt says, I'm starting my Commodore 64 set this week as well. Is there a Commodore 64 Lego set that I just didn't know about or something? Because like, what in my backlog? I've got uh, I've got the Pac Man in my backlog uh, of Lego sets, and then we've got some like other non gaming Lego sets. Like there's a foosball table that we have, and a and a the Starry Starry Night set, and and the Peach set. Like I also bought the Peach Super Mario. You know, with the little play set and Peach's Castle because my wife loves Peach. And that's also our in our backlog. So, um, so yeah, so the Lego backlog is real, but I am actually, it's been kind of a, a good thing. Uh, and SJR Matt says, sorry, it met the 2600. Yes. Um, okay. So I was like, okay, good. Not the season. They didn't make a Commodore 64 Lego when I wasn't looking. So, uh, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm actually kind of happy that I get to get back into it because I've kind of wanted it for like a year. But I didn't have a place big enough to build it because we were storing estate stuff. So now I get to build it and build other things. And so you'll get to see, like, Legos from last year pop up on the show, and I'll talk about them. Uh, So far, through the first eight bags, it's pretty straightforward build. There aren't—there haven't been any mechanisms. And by mechanisms, I mean, like, you know, things that move or uh, things that, you know, spring— or anything so far there's like no mechanisms whereas like the nintendo had some mechanisms and the tv especially was on like a you know a crank and stuff um this so far doesn't have it um so but i also haven't built the top yet i think the end is like the top where you can actually like put a cartridge in the slot and it sticks in there so i think there's going to be some and uh and uh, fizzream says commodore 64 said incoming in 2026 i will be right there i will be right there um for for it so uh because if they're listening yes please um Com- commodore 64 would would be great <laughs> get maybe some more tron stuff you know other than just the light cycles i mean if you're listening maybe some more doctor who stuff we already have the one doctor who set or if you want to do big stuff like actually do our stadium instead of these 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 football stadiums in europe that that are amazing and stuff but like maybe do my stadium and then I'll buy that for like $600 because I'm not getting Rivendell. That's for sure. Anyway, um, I also do want to mention uh, that there is going to be no Orange Lounge Radio tonight uh, again. Rob's got a family issue going on. Everything's going to be fine. Um, but a night off is warranted for him to handle things. Um, he's talked about it on other social media. So if you find some other social media where he's talked about it, uh, that, that's his story to tell. Um, but there is going to be no Orange Lounge Radio tonight, but uh, everything's going to be fine. We're just in the waiting for space uh, regarding uh, some of Rob's family. So, um, But we're expecting everything to be fine. So it's kind of weird to bookend that with me talking about like, yeah, a year ago my mother passed away. Th- this is not that situation. Um, so but there is going to be no Orange Lounge Radio again tonight. Uh, but uh, it was really a slow news week because everybody's playing Baldur's Gate 3. Um, and I am not, and Questbuster is. So Questbuster can play Baldur's Gate 3 for both of us, and tell me how great it is. 
But there is some stuff that I can talk about that I wanted to talk about. So let's go ahead and get into that. Uh, so the first one I'm going to talk about, uh, the PlayStation 5, uh, is getting some uh, a new software release. So they're adding some things to the PlayStation 5 operating system in the UI, which are some things that are really good. Uh, or actually, they're all really good things. Um, and some things some people were looking forward to more than others. Um, I also am looking forward to this uh, for one thing that's in here that is not really the the headline it was all it's kind of like number two on the bullet point list because number one is really cool too because it's all about accessibility features so um so they're going to they're currently in beta so if people who are in the preview beta can see this they're rolling out a new ps5 system software beta that introduces new accessibility features as well as audio options that allow 3d audio powered by Tempest 3D audio tech to be enjoyed on compatible Dolby Atmos-enabled HDMI devices such as soundbars, TVs, and home theater systems. Uh, the beta also includes more options to quickly find games and console tips, new ways to connect with other players, and customize your multiplayer sessions, and support for larger capacity M2 SSDs up to 8 terabytes. So now you can get an 8 terabyte SSD into your PS5 for all those games, uh, and, and that will take a while to fill up because you know games are, are at most like 150 gigs so it's going to take a while to get enough games to fill up that thing um so uh while beta access will be limited to invited participants in select countries uh we plan to release this update globally later this year uh and then so there's an email invitation that you can join in and i'm not in the beta so i i'm not going to be playing with this early uh but uh, it, it's going to have some cool stuff. So in the new accessibility feature, so you can use a second controller for assistance. So this is actually kind of cool. You can now assign a second controller to one account as an assist controller and use two controllers to operate your PS5 console as if you were using a single controller. This feature introduces a new way for you to enjoy games collaboratively with others or help a friend or child navigate a particularly challenging section of the game. So they've done this before, like with the remote play feature, you could actually jump in if you were watching someone else play from afar uh on the ps4 uh you could actually take over as controller one so you know that's like oh i i can't get through this section or i don't know how to double jump in cuphead you can go in and double jump for them and then they can play it themselves that i think is actually really cool and it's going to help uh in a lot of situations like i said they talk about like a parent with a child so the child's playing the game instead of the parent taking the controller away from them the parent can have their own controller and and do it f and and basically get through the hard section for the kid and the kid still has the controller. I think that is awesome. Um, system UI haptic feedback, so you can actually turn on haptic feedback effects while navigating your PS5 with the DualSense controller, the DualSense Edge controller, or the PSVR2 Sense controllers. Uh, when enabled, certain sound effects for certain uh, system sound effects for certain events will also be reflected physically through haptics, such as moving focus, reaching the end limit of a scrollable section, checking a box, or when you receive notification or boot up a game. This optional feature enhances immersion is particularly useful for players with some level of sight or hearing disability who appreciate the additional feedback on their inputs. Fifth Dream says this is a big controller scam to force us to buy more controllers. Sure. Because now, instead of the one controller, now the parent can have a second controller instead of yanking the one away from the kid. It's going to sell controllers. You're, I mean, you're, I mean, Fifth Dream was joking, but he's right. It is going to sell second controllers. It's going to sell two controllers. Because if you never play two-player games, why do you need a second controller? Now, you have a reason to have a two, two controllers for a single-player game. 
See? Capitalism finds a way. So the accessibility features are great, and I love having more accessibility features so more people can enjoy the system, and I'm glad that it's becoming more mainstream to have these kind of options. ZenMonkey11 says, I hope this means I no longer have to have a USB cable on my PC if I want to use PS Remote Play to play games, my games on my PC. That's not what this is about at all. So, no. This doesn't solve that. That's a completely different thing. This is two players sitting at the PS5, uh, and the second controller is essentially sharing with the place, uh, the first controller. It's kind of like when you take, if you went to driving school, which I did this, and they had the specially made cars that you would do for the driving sections of driving class uh, when you were like 15 or 16. And the second, the person in the passenger seat also had a steering wheel and a brake pedal and a gas pedal. Uh, so they could slam on the brakes when you didn't. Uh, that's what this is. This is the passenger also has the ability to control the car. Has nothing to do with remote play or uh, the, the the length of the controller or wireless stuff. It has absolutely nothing to do with that. So this, But the feature that I am most excited about is actually for the audio. And I am one of the, we'll say, 1% or 2% of people that this benefits. Uh, it might benefit more. I don't know how many sound bars are, but it's support for compatible Dolby Atlo- Atmos-enabled audio devices. So Dolby Atmos is was the originator of spatial audio in a space, in an immersive space. Uh, so it means that it bounces certain sounds off the ceiling, so it sounds like it comes from you, uh, from the ceiling, so it comes down on you. Or you can have actual speakers embedded in your ceiling that has that atmospheric audio. A lot of movie theaters will have this uh, where there are speakers in the ceiling of the movie theater. And that way, like if a plane flies overhead, the sound actually goes over your head. What Sony has been doing for so far is they have their own version of atmospheric audio called Tempest 3D Audio Tech, and it only worked with headphones because headphones can trick your ears into thinking that something is in front above you or behind you by how it, it does the sound. But you could only use it with their headphones. So those of us who had a home theater system with speakers in the ceiling or people who had a sound bar that bounced uh, sound off the ceiling back down to you, which is how that stuff works, they couldn't use this technology. And because Sony was like, no, I'm going to, you know, we're, we're doing our own thing. Well, what they're doing now is 3D uh, 3D audio powered by Tempest 3D Audio Tech can now be enjoyed by those who own compatible Dolby Atmos-enabled HDMI devices, such as soundbars, TVs, or home theater systems. Tempest 3D Audio Tech specifically renders to the old Dolby Atmos audio devices in use, including overhead channels, allowing for even greater levels of immersion in the audioscapes of PS5 games. So So when you talk about this on social media and you talk to the wrong fanboys, they will tell you this is not Atmos. Because they claim that Sony's audio, uh, Tempest 3D Audio Tech is better than Atmos. This is just, they're allowing the Atmos to emulate what they're doing with Tempest 3D. Because there, there is a very specific thing that Atmos does. And it's kind of neat if you ever want to look at like the tech behind it. It's actually like visualizing in the 3D space where a sound is coming from. And the receiver then determines what speakers that comes out of. Because on... In your like, if I, I've got a Dolby Atmos receiver and I've got speakers, they actually measure how far away the speakers are from each other and from me, uh, so it knows. And so, it's rendering different audio to different speakers in my room 
than it would in somebody else's room because every room is unique. And so Tempest 3D Audio Tech is going to do the same thing and kind of translate what they do into as something that the Atmos systems, sound bars and TVs and home theater systems, that they can translate into that specific room. So, um, and Esther, one of Matt says, I remember you had issues with one of the previous Final Fantasies in your setup, and I that actually got fixed. Um, so I, uh, and that was on the Xbox, because Xbox actually has Dolby Atmos uh capability uh and i actually did that actually is fixed now and that was final fantasy 15 uh i had the royal edition because it was one of like the eight xbox games that supported actual true dolby atmos and it didn't work well and uh it got fixed so it it, it works fine now and it even worked yes on the xbox one x uh at, at a time it wasn't i didn't have to wait for the series x to come out uh, Fitzream says, I remember when they touted ray tracing as also working for audio, but I'm not sure that ever happened, but maybe this will be that. Uh, I, that is kind of how Dolby Atmos works is it because it's, it's actually doing like instead of the old days where, uh, if you had just stereo, you would say, okay, this much comes out of the left channel. This much comes out of the right channel. It's very, uh, very, you know, precise and everybody's speakers had the same thing. And even, surround sound it was kind of the same they were like this much comes out of the back left channel this much comes out of the back right channel and everybody's it was the same for everybody this is more of a this is where the sound is in the space render it and that's kind of how how atmos works uh that's at a very high level there's a lot more complexity and a lot more tech details at the at the that a sound engineer could go into a little bit more but it's kind of the same it is kind of ray tracing for for audio because it's tracing where you are compared to where the sound sound is in the environment. Then they're going to be doing some social feature updates. Party UI, which I have not because I don't play many multiplayer games. I'm not usually in parties. Uh, you can now invite a player into a closed party without automatically adding the player into the group or creating a new group. Additionally, players can now send open or closed party invitations to groups instead of only individual players. And then also a share screen preview. When someone's sharing their screen in a party that you can join, you'll now see a preview image of their share screen even before you enter the party. Uh, and then you can join your friends' game sessions easily. You can now see easily which ones of your friends are in an activity, and you can join under the Friends tab. The joinable icon will be displayed next to friends when they're playing a game you can join, and you can join a friend's game directly by pressing the options button and selecting Join Game or by selecting the Join button on their profile card. Uh, tournaments in the game hub, you can now see how many tournaments you've entered and the highest place you've achieved, as well as the start time for the next tournament. You can select the tile to see the full tournament list. Uh, and you can react now. Emoji support has coming to PlayStation five. Hooray. We can get emojis. We can add reactions to message with emojis. Uh, and it makes communicating with friends quicker and easier. So now you can use emojis as reactions. Uh, they're going to be adding search. So you can now search for games in your library. You can now search for games uh, with that. Uh, and then game help cards have been improved. And in addition to in-process activities, you can now see available, previously available, upcoming, and completed activities. When a card is selected, its de details are now displayed on the right side of the card, making it easier to find objectives and their corresponding hints. I actually like the game card system. It actually helped a little bit in um, Ratchet & Clank when I was playing that uh, because they would have a video guide of like exactly the thing that it, you were trying to do for that activity. 
Uh, so like if I really, really, really didn't know how to get to that thing that I was trying to get to, I could watch the video guide for 10 seconds and it's like, yeah, you spin jump here and do this. And, and then I'm like, all right, I can do that now. They are doing, um, so let's see here. Uh, there's more useful tips, which I hate. I wish I could turn the useful tips off. You can mute the PS5 beep sound. So now you can mute or adjust the volume of the PS5's beeps, beep sound when it is turning on and off or putting it in rest mode, which means that way when you turn it on, the other people in your house don't know that you're still awake and you're playing PS5 instead of doing your homework or going to bed. And then also they're going to support a uh, M2 SSDs with a maximum capacity of 8 terabytes up from the previous 4 terabyte limit. So, um, but you have to meet the requirements. So not any M2 SSD will work, but the right ones will work just fine. Um, SJR Nomad says, if you live in an area that has a full Dolby Atmos setup, speakers in the seats, etc. Now, Atmos is not speakers in the seats. That's not what Atmos is. Uh, you owe it to yourself to try it out. Maybe try it on something that isn't Barbie to check it out. Yeah, the, the, the speakers in the seats, that's like the 4D immersion. That's different from Dolby Atmos. Dolby Atmos is literally just like the evolution of surround sound. That's it. Um, so, uh, but yes, you, it, it, it is, it's, it's, it, 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 Dolby Atmos is in most theaters. Uh, but if you have one, especially like at home, th there's some great movies. Uh, honestly, one of my favorite uh, Atmos movies and scenes. So like, if like I have like five seconds to impress somebody or something, or well, five minutes, let's say ready player one. On the 4K Blu-ray, so you actually have to own the physical 4K Blu-ray for it to sound the best. Ready Player One, the race scene. The first race scene, that is amazing with the atmospheric audio. That is actually my reference disc now, um, is is that scene right there. Because that, you can get all the atmospheric stuff's flying over you and everything. That's actually my favorite scene right now. And Tiger Claw says Dolby Atmos comes with different speaker setups. The theater would have the most speakers as opposed to a home that may have a couple. And that's the thing about Dolby Atmos is, like, my receiver can only handle, I think, up to nine speakers or something like that. But, like, you just tell whatever receiver you have where your speakers are, and it calculates where the sound comes from. So it is it is really neat, neat, uh, neat tech. ZenMonkey11 says, I hope they have the poop emoji so I can tell Sony how I feel about some of their choices lately. ZenMonkey is not amused. So uh, Microsoft, though, is doing something that's actually making me very happy. Uh, I like to see them doing this. I know that they are doing this kicking and screaming. They are they're being forced into this. Uh, I know they don't want to do this, but they're doing it. And so that makes me happy. Uh, and this is about Microsoft uh, kind of accepting that consumers' right to repair is more of a thing that's going to be required by law. And it really is the right thing to do for the consumers, even if it is maybe not the right thing for them to do as a company. So The Verge reports that Microsoft has started selling controller parts on its online store. Owners of both the Xbox Elite Series 2 wireless controller and the standard Xbox wireless controller can head to the Microsoft store right now to buy replacement boards, sticks, buttons, covers, and more. If your shoulder buttons are broken or your sticks are drifting, it means you do not have to rely on third-party sources for parts and directions to attempt a repair that could be much cheaper than replacing controllers that can cost six dollars or 180 dollars brand new the elite series 2 controller repair kits range in price from 23.99 for button sets to 59.99 for a replacement pcba the, the board essentially and motor assembly 
Prices are far lower for the standard controller, starting at $19.99 for just the controller's top case and going to up to $34.99 for the board and the vibration motor. So the top case is like 20 bucks for the controller, and then the insides, the innards that actually work, are about $34.99, which is a lot cheaper than just buying a new controller. Replacement top cases are available in black and white variants, as are the buttons. But so if you have a fluorescent color, uh, like if you, if you have like a red one, uh, you're kind of out of luck. Uh, iFixit also lists parts for the controllers, uh, and those come with a lifetime guarantee, while Microsoft says its parts only have a warranty period of one year. That doesn't mean they're going to break after a year. It's just Microsoft's only warrantying them for a year, and iFixit is like, we'll do it for your life, for your entire life. Uh, Brad Rossetti, Xbox Insider Program Lead for Microsoft, tweeted about the new program this afternoon, which appears to have been live for about a week, along with downloadable instructions and official instructional video on YouTube can show gamers how to repair their controllers. This helps the controllers in comparisons to Sony's recently introduced DualSense Edge. The $200 powered gamepad with the Elite Series uh, competes with the Elite Series based on the Pro Gamer features and also came out of the box with stick modules that can be easily replaced by removing a cover and lifting a latch. However, Sony does not sell replacements for the other parts Microsoft Store is now listing. It also follows Microsoft's agreement with shareholder advocacy group As You Sew nearly two years ago to look into enabling customers' right to repair their equipment. In June, the company also began selling replacement parts for Microsoft Surface devices. This move is similar to Apple's decisions to start selling repair kits last year. And that's because, well, so this is A, because Microsoft's a publicly traded company. That's why this is happening. If Microsoft was not publicly traded, this probably would not be happening right now. It would be happening a year or two later because there are certain states that have right to repair laws either already in effect or about to come into effect because they uh, pass laws requiring them. Uh, so it's, it's getting to be more that, you know, we're the Congress and state legislatures, really, it's a really a state's issue, state's rights issue, are basically saying, no, our residents should be able to repair things they own. Uh, because we've been getting farther and farther away from that, where even like cars are like, no, you, you don't have the right to fix the engine in here. Uh, or if, if this thing breaks on the inside, you, you know, you've got to take it to us. And Apple was like that for the longest time. And I'm glad that they're kind of getting away from that. Because like if, if, if my PC broke that I built or something in it broke, I could diagnose it myself and go get the replacement part and put it in. If my uh, MacBook Pro Something happened to it. I had to go to the Genius Bar and hope that they told me the right thing. So Apple is going to have to follow the law as well, which is good. I'm happy for them. I'm happy for Apple users because um, that could mean it's it's a cheaper repair because a lot of times the repair can be cheaper than what people are pricing, but they price they they charge as much for the repairs because they can. Uh, S. Jaron Matt says Microsoft isn't doing this out of the goodness of their heart, but them offering videos and tutorials is cool, waiting for the other companies to start doing something similar. The Breakman, surprisingly, for a name like Breakman, says I'm not good at fixing things. Who would have guessed? Says he has several broken controllers and controllers with bad drift, but so I don't know if this would be for me. So uh, I, I am very happy that Microsoft is doing this. Please, everybody else, take note and start doing this as well. Nintendo, give me a kit to fix my Joy-Cons. That way you don't have to fix them for me. I'll fix it myself. The last story I want to talk about, actually, uh, the reason I'm going to be starting to talk about this, and you're going to hear me talk about this more, is because while I cannot divulge my Dragon Con panel schedule yet, 
Uh, it comes out on August 10th. So after August 10th, I will be able to divulge my panel uh, schedule. But uh, I am actually appearing on a panel on a track I've never been to in my life at Dragon Con. Uh, and I am on a panel on the digital media track about AI. Uh, and uh, I think the reason I am on the one that I've never heard of is because in my bio, as an attending professional at DragonCon, I talk about I'm a software developer. I've worked in VR development. I don't ever mention AI. I've never worked in AI, but they're like, oh, he's a software developer who's worked on technologies like VR. So obviously he knows about AI. So I'm going to start talking about this a little more because they have no clue how pessimistic I am about AI. So let's talk about this for a little bit. This is about Kickstarter. Video Games Chronicle reports that Kickstarter has announced a new policy regarding projects that make use of AI in some way, including video games. So according to a statement on the official Kickstarter website from August 29th, the company will require creators to disclose whether their projects will use AI. Um, if a project doesn't properly disclose its use of AI while being submitted to Kickstarter, it could be suspended. Now, what they are, are, are they're not banning AI. And this is about specifically the AI-generated output of assets or text. So um, because AI has existed for years, it's just been, you know, if statements, if you're a programmer, you know what I mean? That's that's literally AI. Um, so like a game that has an AI system in it for the enemies, that's not what they're talking about. They're talking about, um, you know, uh, AI-generated content. Um so uh, the project must disclose relevant details on their project page, including how the creator plans to use AI content in their project, as well as which elements of their project will be wholly original work and which elements will be created using AI outputs. If the project itself is a new AI tool, AI tech, or AI software, the project must disclose information about any databases and data the creator intends to use and must indicate how these sources handle consent and credit for the data they utilize. So the company says, quote, to be clear, our new policy does not ban the use of AI in Kickstarter projects, unquote. Uh, they do continue, quote, however, we want to make sure that any project that is funded through Kickstarter includes human creative input and properly credits and obtains permissions for any artist's work that it references. The policy requires cr creators to be transparent and specific about how they use AI in their projects, because when we're all on the same page about what a project entails, it builds trust and sets the project up for success, unquote. I think this is good. It's it's basically like, you know, they're telling you if you're if you're funding a game and they 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 should tell you straight up. By the way, the art in the game is not going to be done by a person. So your money is not going to go pay an artist. It's going to pay us to prompt an AI to do it. The Breakman says, "I am so sick of hearing about AI." Well, you're going to get more sick, unfortunately. And Fifth Dream also brings up the point, a point that people have started to make up. And I've got to start try to, you know, get all these in because it's, 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 a, it's a valid argument. Fifth Dream says, remember, kids, next time you look at a painting, remember to forget it before you draw a picture or you're stealing. Because that's one of the arguments that artists are making about AI is that an artist did not consent to the AI using their art as a base to create new art. But humans do that all the time. And so, you know, why should an artist get mad that an AI was inspired by their work when a human could be inspired by their work and make something in the style of you? And so that is one of the things that, that usually gets fired back at people who are pessimistic about AI. 
Questbuster says Wizards of the Coast had to update their artist guidelines very recently because an artist they regularly used admitting to using it in their latest work. Uh, they have since said that they will rework the pieces in question. Yes, so that, that happened recently where somebody who do, did illustrations for Wizards of the Coast D&D books for years, I think since 2014, their latest work for them, they used an AI output tool and then touched it up. So they edited it a little bit, but not enough. Um, you could clearly tell that there were some AI elements that he overlooked in his editing. Uh, and he probably did that so he could make the money quicker. He could make the art quicker. Maybe he trained the AI on his own stuff, uh, you know, which which would be fine. You know, he's he's giving the AI consent to learn from him. Uh, but but, you know, Wizards of the Coast expected human drawn art. That was kind of that's kind of the thing. That a lot of those RPG source books, they have human drawn line art. Uh, pencil art uh, or paintings or you know stuff but it's it's because it was actually drawn by an illustrator uh, and that's what Wizards of the Coast thought they were paying for and instead they got uh, an AI generated output my pessimistic take on AI it's not because I don't think it's going to happen I have talked on this page because you, you know that I've talked about VR and I'm like whenever somebody tells me oh VR is going to take over and VRs, everybody's going to be playing VR games in five years, and nobody's going to play pancake games on a monitor. And I always tell them, no, you're wrong. Uh, that's not going to happen. I'm not saying the same thing about AI. Because I do think, and when I'm speaking about AI, and in what we're talking about on these Dragon Con panels, and what we're talking about here, is a specific form of AI called, uh, and for text-based, it's the large language model. That's what GPT is. That's what ChatGPT is. It's trained on language and it spits out language that it that it believes would be the next word based on what it knows from this large language model. Art is a different type of that, um, where it learns from previous art and tries to guess how the next art will work. Um, that, and it's not a large language model, and I've got to research this because I'm going to be talking about it. Um, and But uh, that is coming, and it is going to be used more and more. Um, and I am pessimistic that it's actually going to do everything they say it's going to do and more because, um, it's going to get rid of several careers. And the break man says the hubris of man thinking they can make actual artificial intelligence, been watching too much sci-fi, true AI will not happen in our lifetime. True AI won't, uh, or if it, it might, but it will be a ways away. We're not going for true AI right now. We are going for AI to do certain jobs that humans have done, which is what we've done with technology for a long time. Uh, you know, what I worry about and I've, I've talked uh, what I've talked about, about with other people who have been very pro AI. And it's not like I look at woodworkers. Let's look at a completely different industry. I look at woodworkers. Decades ago, actually, for for thousands of years woodworking has been a viable profession it has been a viable career you you needed woodworkers to build chairs and tables and desks and it would be somebody's career that is what they would do up until a couple decades ago and the cnc machine showed up and what the cnc machine does is it does it's a robot that does very precise woodworking and so those careers, people who were woodworking as a career, they were they could either babysit the robot 
or find a new career. This desk that I am using right now was not built by a woodworker, even though it is made out of wood. It was built by a machine. And it doesn't mean that there aren't woodworkers in the world. There are. They're on Etsy. It's a hobby now. Woodworking, and the CNC machine's been around for so long, woodworking is widely seen as a hobby now. It is not a viable career. It is not going to be your profession like it was even 50 years ago, 60 years ago or 2,000 years ago. What large language model AI is doing is they're coming for the creative jobs. And so what I'm worried about is writers or, you know, people who do, you know, PR copy, you know, writing stuff for PR um, and, and stuff. That's going to be taken over by the robots. And now instead of writing being a profession or writing being a career, it is now going to be a hobby, and you're going to have people who babysit the writers, the, the, the AI that's actually doing the writing. So sci-fi was like robots are going to take all the menial, menial jobs so humans can sit back and be creative. No, it's actually the other way around. They're actually having the robots come and take all the creative jobs so you know maybe more humans will be available to, I don't know, work the garbage collection. That uh, you know we don't, they, our, My garbage collector can't find enough people to drive the trucks. And maybe if we get rid of some of these careers like writer or artist, maybe then instead they would have to go become garbage collectors, something a robot can't do yet. So that's what I'm pessimistic about with the way that we're going with LLM AI, the large language model AI, which is different from HAL 9000. HAL 9000 was not a large language model. That's a different type of AI, and that's not where we're going right now. That's not what we're focusing on right now as a society in 2023. And Zemunk 11 says, I can't wait till AI programs its own AI. Uh, one coding large language model already has done some improvements to itself in the lab. Um, but we're seeing it in software development. I work in software development. And what is probably going to be the thing that we do in software development where this is going. And what I'm pessimistic about is that the menial software development tasks are going to, instead of be done by people, they're going to be done, uh, by, uh, you know, a, a code GPT or GitHub copilot or something. And then the software developers of today would basically edit that code. So instead of me creating the code or fixing the problem, I direct the AI to create the code or fix the bug and, and you know, kind of oversee it like how somebody babysits the CNC machine when they're doing making stuff out of wood today with the robots. The problem is junior software developers are usually the ones who write that code, and that's how they learn and become senior software developers. We're eliminating the junior software developers and replacing them with AI, which means Soon, software development's not going to be a viable career in and of itself. Now it's going to be, how can you babysit the robot, which is a different skill set. So I am pessimistic about it because now I am looking at my career and what I like to do, and I'm wondering in five years if that's going to be an acceptable profession. I may not have that as a profession, and I'm going to need to find a new career in five years because my job will no longer exist. Because I don't know if I want to babysit a robot to do what I used to do. Now, we will still have humans who write software. They're just going to be doing side projects. 
they're not going to be it wouldn't be a profession that can be your primary salary that's not going to exist anymore it's going to be a hobby and you're going to have to find something else to be a primary salary salary and that's what i'm pessimistic about ai it's because i am actually worried it's going to do exactly what everybody says it's going to do and more whereas vr i know it's not going to do what they everybody's going to say it it would do and i was right like we aren't we were supposed to all be playing vr games and no no nobody would be playing a game on a tv screen after 2022 i believe cuz like it was when the oculus quest 1 came out in like 2017 they're like in 5 years there's going to be no more games on monitors and i'm like no that's not the case i am actually worried that ai is going to do everything they're going to say they're going to do and more and it means i'm going to have to find a new profession i'm going to have to find a new career yeah, so th- there's been some talk in, in the chat about this. Uh, Fifth Dream says, I can't draw well enough, so I use AI to do what I can't, but I know there ain't nobody anywhere in the world that can come with the awesome ideas and write a good prompt for it. That is one of the things that I think people have said is that, um, you know, like as software consultants, we're like, yeah, that AI is never going to be able to generate an app for the clients because they don't actually know what they want. And that's what you need the humans to determine what they want. But once you get that, if you are good at writing prompts, uh, that's going to be like, uh, that's the skill set. And I've actually like had this conversation. I've been talking about it negatively with, with some younger people. And they've been like, that actually sounds awesome. I'm going to become a prompt engineer because that's going to be the new thing. Can you prompt AI? And I've actually met somebody who literally said, yeah, I used to be an artist. I couldn't draw all that well. So, but I've now started a company where I will prompt an AI to generate new logos for companies. And I go to the companies and say, instead of you hiring an artist to redesign your logo, hire me. I will prompt the AI to generate a whole bunch of different logos for you. And you can choose from them and pay me instead. And I'm like, or they could hire an artist. He's like, no, no, I am an artist. I'm just growing with the times. And now I no longer have to put pen to paper. I am now an artist of prompting the AI to do what you want. And it's a lot of the people who aren't good enough to actually do it themselves. They're very excited for AI. And Questbrush says there are already stories of people hustling jobs like PR projects uh, and marketing on the side using AI. Um, and uh, S. Jeremy Matt says, I'm biting my tongue, but this reality is coming soon. Why pay a skilled worker to do detailed work when an AI can do it? And you can hire an entry-level or intern-level person to babysit it. Companies are figuring that out and getting these deals in motion. That's part of also why there's the big strike in Hollywood right now. Because, you know, companies are starting to say, hey, the first draft of the script can be written by AI. And then you can just kind of edit it. But we'll prompt the AI to write the first draft of the movie. And then, you know, people can edit it, you know, make sure that it, it sounds good. But it's still going to be the AI story. It's not going to be the human story. Yeah, and Questbuster says, in the past six months alone, you have companies like Salesforce already putting out AI-driven products as part of their pitch. Um, and like what has been happening for the last 20 or 30 years, the tech is also moving much faster than the lawmakers can keep up. So, um, and and Fizzream says, you can't get an AI to make something good just by asking not yet. AI, but the stuff AI is generating now is a lot like, especially like ChatGPT. Uh, you you use the newer versions to ChatGPT. The stuff it's putting out now is better than the stuff it was putting just eight months ago. We've actually, so I'm, I am going to mention just because I know that it's uh, we're to the time. There is no Orange Lounge Radio tonight. Um, there has been a Rob's got a family issue. Everything's going to be fine, but uh, he's taken some time to deal with some family issues. So. Uh, we aren't going to be uh, – there's no OLR tonight, and we actually do have somebody that said they want to call in. So I'm also going to skip the music break. 
Uh, and so if you want to join in, uh, go into the green room uh, voice chat channel in our Discord server, vognetwork.com slash Discord. Uh, and if you want to come t- continue talking about AI, uh, we we can do that. This does affect video games because video game art. And this uh, this the night the thing about AI that you can talk about that makes this great is like this democratizes programming. Now you no longer need somebody who knows how to write code to make an app. You can just prompt the AI to make an app. Uh, and and maybe you can't do that now, but maybe next year. But also, like, if you're making a game, Unity is introducing AI tools that will generate 3D objects for you. So now if you're not good at using Blender, you can just use Unity's AI AI tools to generate that thing. And, uh, you know, and so that can all that you can argue that's a good thing that democratizes game development. Now anybody can make a game. You don't need to be technically proficient. You just need to know how to prompt the AI and you can make your own game. And and so that's that's kind of the the you know that that's kind of where everything ping pongs in my head when I think about it. And uh, you know because I'm very pessimistic that I'm going to lose my job, but on the other hand, it's going to help a lot of other people be their own creative selves with AI as their helper. Fifth Dream says all these bigwigs chomping at the bit to fire everyone so they can run it themselves. Everyone everything's going to suck. Uh, and Dark Sis says, I'd be lying if I wasn't curious. I've always wanted to write a game, but not if it means scrapping something from an, uh, uh, scraping something from an actual artist. And that's, that's the thing is that like these AI, uh, the AI stuff, it doesn't work, uh, without scraping people's content. If chat, if open AI had to get permission from everybody they scraped content from, they wouldn't be able to exist. They have actually gone on record and said that they said that if they had to, to do that, uh, they would not exist. They couldn't do what they were doing. Were doing. Uh, Questor says, like an expansion, what one developer story I read uh, read years ago. They bought assets on the Epic Store for their uh, Unreal Engine game, tiny projects they just want to put out there, and actually made decent mobile games. Now AI can just do that for you. Breakman says, if AI actually gets that advanced, are there any jobs that are truly AI robot uh, proof? Um, and he talks about uh, the the oldest profession, uh, which no is not robot proof. Right now, they're going for the creative jobs because that's the one they can do. Um, they're go it's it's coming for uh, jobs that like you know at, like writing and even music. There there's an a there's an AI that can generate songs and new lyrics, and you say make it sound like the Beatles, and it sounds like a Beatles tune. Um, there are, you know, and voice actors have been talking about this where like they're being fed in their all their, their stuff is being fed into an AI. And so people were like, yeah, we don't need you to come in for another session. We'll just use AI with the voice of your voice that we trained it on. If we need like any other, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, we've even joked, like there was a joke that I made and I'm like, okay, this is not, uh, uh, this is not. Um, this is not permission to do this, but I, I was sick a couple of weeks ago and couldn't talk. And but like at at this point, I've got 860 episodes of a podcast, and AI could be trained on it, and there could be an AI that sounds like me. All right, there we go. So we do have somebody in the uh, in the voice chat room. So I'm going to pull them in. Uh, Bobby Black will show you are on the air. Who is this? Bobby, it's Ron. How are you doing tonight? I am doing well. Uh, I'm pessimistic, a little pessimistic. But how are you doing? I have a new microphone, so I'm putting it through its pain. 
Yeah, you're going to need to get real close to that microphone because it's cutting you out when you're too far away from it. Well, it looks like I'll be sending this one back because it wasn't supposed to be doing that. But <laughs> I will basically eat the microphone so Perfect. I can get my point across. Awesome. Here's the thing. I had a nickel for every time someone tried to defend AI. I could have a couple of trucks full of nickels to run, you know, to go after people with. So, mm-hmm. in, in my field of work, um, we're in entertainment field. So, mm-hmm. basically, the strike is affecting us big time. So, there are people that are kind of worried they're going to get furloughed, or laid off, and so I'm thankfully where I am in the job. That may not happen to me because I'm still needed. Now, I'm in the hardware side of things. So, I could somewhat see AI coming in trying to take over my job. Mm-hmm. Like in our ticketing system, we actually had chat GPT going. Now, what was happening with that was whenever somebody would submit a ticket and we would convert it to an actual help ticket, chat GPT would spit out two ex- two explanations so we can email the user you know how to take care of it or we're sorry this is happening mm-hmm. this was going on for months and i re- noticed recently they stopped doing it so i'm like good because i never use it because it doesn't sound like me mm-hmm. it, i understand the point of it but if everybody on the that started using this AI for responding, it all sound one and the same, and we just be like an automated robot. So mm-hmm. that's not going to work. From the anime aspect, yes, artists are upset. I know a lot of artists that are upset over AI, and I don't blame them. I, and I'm seeing some of this come into my fandoms, and there are several groups I'm in where people are arguing and telling people, stop sharing the AI. Some of it can be nice, some of it can be outlandish, and some of it is just downright creepy. It's getting to the point where AI is becoming some artist's wet dream. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, this needs to stop. Yeah. Well, because they can crank out more art, they believe, now with AI instead of them having to do it all themselves. And that means they they may be able to make more, do commissions faster and stuff like that. Yes believe that ai should be used as a guide like if you're designing something and you get stuck go to the ai program and says and tell it this is what i have so far Mm -hmm. what you got for me let the ai spit out three different suggestions yeah look at that as an inspiration Mm -hmm. take care of what has to be done AI should be used as a guide to enhance, to inspire, not to do the actual heavy lifting like that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And one of one of the panels I'm on is on the digital media track. So it's about using it. You know, how can you use it for your podcast? And that's like I'm like, hey, if you're looking for topics, have it generate the, the headline. Then you go in and you put your spin on it. Um, but some people will probably say, but I could also have it generate the script for me. And then I could have another AI that's trained on my voice, just read the script and I could put it out and I can make billions of dollars. Right. Here's the thing. We can tell it's not your voice. So yeah, it's going. Yeah. I mean, the way I do my podcast, 
AI would be good. I told it to go to these websites, fetch these topics for me. Mm-hmm. And when I sit down at my desk and look at output, I can go through this and pick six to seven stories we can talk about on the show. Yeah. That would save Mako-chan time from running around and looking for stuff while she does other important things in her life. You yeah. Know? Yeah, and, and that's where I think initially they were like, this is how ChatGPT can help you. And then people learned it can actually spit out like full stories, full scripts, and full everything, and even take direction and change and tweak things. And so that's what the people with the at, at the top are seeing. Whereas the people that kind of just do the crunt work creative, we're going to like, oh, we can see it as a tool to add to our, you know, tool chest. And other people are like, no, it's the whole thing. We can make this the whole thing. And that's why I'm worried about this no longer being a career. Like what I do as software developer may no longer be a profession or a career. It'll be a hobby. And I'm going to have to go find a no career to put food on the table. Just right. like woodworkers have to can't have woodworking as their main career unless they're super extremely lucky. I mean, in a way, I can see AI taking over the service desk, and you know where that will put me on the administration side if I choose to go that route, yeah, or just sit there and maintain the machine that's taking my job. I mean. You already know, Bobby, in this field of work, we already know that our jobs are in jeopardy because there's always somebody out there who can do the job twice as fast at a quarter of the price. Yes. And we're always pushing back. Want the job done right with someone with experience. Yeah. You got to give us the premium pay for the premium service. Yeah. And experience. Yeah. And, and the other the, th- the other part I worry about is like, I mean, this is going to be like, I might be fine as a software developer because I've been right. doing it for over 20 years. What they're taking away is the junior developer because I would be training and overseeing a junior developer doing some of this grunt work and they would learn how things work and then they would become a senior developer. But soon there's going to be nowhere for somebody to be a junior developer because the AI is doing that job. So how are they going to know enough to be able to edit and babysit the AI? And I so, and I don't know what that looks like yet. Like I am being pessimistic, but I've also got to try to be fair because that's me. Uh, you know, so I can't be like full blown pessimistic, but it's like, I don't know how we are going to react to this once it starts doing this. In a way, it's sort of like the self checkout at a supermarket. You may have eliminated the cashier, but mm-hmm. you have opened up a position for someone to be a grocery technician to fix the self checkout. Yeah. Or or you have the but so instead of having six checkout people, now you have the one person that babysits the six checkout self checkout mm-hmm. things, and that that's why it's appealing to people who run stores is mm-hmm. that you know the jobs change, but the skill sets also change, and can everybody who ran a checkout line babysit the checkout the self checkout line? No, many can and many will, um, but not everybody can or wants to. Like, I, I personally, and this is a me problem. This is a Bobby Blackwolf problem. I right. personally do not want to babysit a robot writing software because I enjoyed writing software too much. And so I don't want to watch the robot do what I used to love doing. And that means I no longer get to do it. And that's a me thing. Bobby, 
my brother in Christ, mm-hmm. I feel you. Yeah. Yes. I went to school for what I did. On my wall is my degree. Mm-hmm. Every job that I have been at, they've seen what I can do. Of the most important part, my customer service. AI cannot give that. Mm-hmm. AI is not going to calm the user down when they've accidentally deleted all their files. AI is not going to call the user back as a follow-up to make sure everything is fine. Mm-hmm. And on my side of things, I can see AI eliminating tier one. You know, the people you yep. call when you can't get into your system or when you a new machine deployed on 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 the fly and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. What would I be doing at the end of the week? I'll be looking at all the AI tickets just to verify, and make sure they handled they handled it properly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we already have like some of the tier one for some things. That's the phone you try to call on the phone. You have to go through all those digits, you know, mm-hmm. and go through the menu. And they're like, "Oh, you can go to our website and that'll fix it for you." Thank you. Goodbye. And you know, so we already see that, but it's not as interactive. Um, right. So, but yeah, no, I, I feel you. It's like, it's, so it's it's hard not to be pessimistic about it because it's not because I don't think it's going to do what they say it's going to do. I think it is. And that kind of scares me, but that's because it's going to affect me personally. Right. Every, it, 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 it this goes back to what, um, pod culture said, fast, cheap, quick, pick two. So it's actually fast, cheap, good, pick two. That's, that's the triangle. It's fast, cheap, and good. Okay, got you, got yeah. you. And, but what I've learned is that fast and cheap is what most of like our clients, that's what they want. They want fast and cheap. They will say they will sacrifice quality to have it done cheaply and done quickly and just deal with the consequences. And that's actually something my day job we're kind of grappling with right now. Uh, and that's something I'm not going to talk go into any further here. Right. But like right. that, we are we are learning that fast and cheap is what they pick. They don't necessarily yeah. need it to be good. And, yeah, and this is why when people come to me for PC builds or what brand, there are certain manufacturers I do not recommend because, oh, they'll put it out fast and cheap. But you'll be paying double for the repairs yeah. in the long run. So Yeah. You might, and this is what the bigwigs here, you might be paying longer, much more for repairs in the long run. There's a chance you won't have to. There's a chance it'll work fine, and they are going to take that chance. Even, though if it, even if it's a small chance, and you and I know it's a small chance, they will hear, oh, you might be paying more for repairs, but you might not. And that is a gamble they'll, they'll happily take. Anyway, it's always good to hear from you, Ronma. Thank you so much. All right, back at you, Bob. You take care of yourself, you brother. Too. All right, bye. Yes, thank you so much for the call on that. And I do want to re- read this, because, and, and I appreciate this. I always like when people tell me I do good work. Uh, Fifth Dream says, Just a P.S. Thanks, Bobby, for speaking about this fairly and not being just reactionary. Uh, you too, Ronma. It's, um, I get the fear of possibly losing livelihoods, but you guys can at least uh, see other angles. There are ways to use... The tools that we have, I should switch the scene. Uh, there are ways to, to to use what we have, um, the, the AI, the LLM tools, which is the specific AI I'm talking about, the large language models. There are ways to use them that can be very beneficial. And I'm I would I have an open AI account. I have used ChatGPT. I still continue to use ChatGPT on certain things. 
Um, so there are, it's just, I know that we don't control who uses it. And that's why I am pessimistic. It's because I'm worried what other people are going to do with it. Because I know I'm going to be just fine. I just use it to play around and do some stuff. Um, but I am worried about the livelihoods of other people. And it's never going to take away writing. It's never going to take away software development. It's going to take it away as a way, your primary means to put food on the table. That's where I think it's going to be taken away. And I'm just, I'm sad about it. It makes me sad. Um. There's a lot of things in the world that I am sad about that happened anyway, and boo-hoo, cry me a river, and fine. I'll cry the river, uh, but then things are going to go go on. So, um, yeah, because Fifth Dream says um, so many people think, OMG, Skynet, we're, not, we're all going to die. It, we're not. No, this is not Skynet. Um, this is they're coming for creative jobs, and Skynet was not about being creative. Skynet was about military. Um they, but it's coming for the creative job, so more of us can possibly be fighting in the next war because we won't need you to be a writer because we got AI to do the writing, and that's what I'm worried about. That's what I'm pessimistic about, and I've got a couple weeks to refine that message uh, when I'm on these other panels because one of them is actually about television and movies, so that's kind of interesting. Um, I will ta- tell next week what the panels are. Uh, the schedule doesn't go out until October 10th, so I don't want to share it until then. But I've already seen what I am on. And um, and and Fifth Dream says there's so much inter- wants to understand about what AI can do and actually does. And I think that's why they have me on the panel because I'm a software developer. I actually know what it's capable of right now, how, what it was capable of, and what it's about to be capable of. And while I am pessimistic, I also understand it still has limitations and it's going to have limitations for a while. Um, and I know this is a video game podcast and we talked a lot about that, but it's going to affect the video game world, at least video game creation. And the story that we read coming up on this uh, to talk about it first was that Kickstarter is going to require people to divulge if they're going to use AI to generate any of the assets or any of the writing. Uh, and people are going to be doing that for video games where, you know, instead of hiring somebody to build the 3D model of the the world, they're going to use an AI tool to generate those Blender files or their their Maya files for the 3D files and then put them in the game. Uh, and then they can use Code GPT if they're really stuck on programming something, have Code GPT tell them how to structure the code to be able to do what they're looking for. Or, you know, like now when Real Engine has Blueprint, you don't need to write a, a line of code. Uh, you just, you, you, you're making Blueprint. It's not AI, but they're already cutting the software developer out for a lot of, uh, like, simple stuff you still need a software developer to do anything real complex and you're going to need that for a long time but there's less and less very complex things out there to make there's a lot of paranoia uh i am i guess you could say it's paranoia but it's about a very specific thing and it's not about we're we're not all going to die ai is not going to kill us i'm gonna tell you that right now VR is not taking over gaming. We are not only going to be playing VR games in five years, and we're never ditching the, the flat monitor to play games, and AI is not going to kill us all. But AI will take away some of our jobs, just like robots have been taking away our jobs and moving jobs to other people doing other things for decades. Anyway, I should stop this podcast. I've gone on for way too much longer. Like I said, Orange Lounge Radio, 
unfortunately not here tonight. Um, they uh, Rob Rob has a family issue going on. Everything's going to be fine. We're just kind of in the waiting stage right now. Uh, so Orange Launch Radio should be back next week. But uh, I do want to uh, say thank you for being here and being a part of the conversation tonight. I really do appreciate it. And uh, and yeah, so. I am on social medias uh, at Bobby Blackwolf. Um, I'm not really posting much in many places uh, because uh, I don't know what social media is looking like. And I think actually what we're going to have to think of is social media is going to drastically change. And, uh, you know, we're not going to have the global singular town square that we used to have. I don't think that's actually going to be coming out. Um so I, I don't think we're going to have that anytime soon. So, uh, but I'm around at Bobby Blackwell, but really our discord server, vognetwork.com slash discord. It's our little space. That's where you can kind of join in on conversations or see when we go live or see what things are going on uh, there. Um, if you like the show, tell a friend, if you hate the show, tell an enemy, I don't care. Just tell someone the show is not for everybody, but it may be for somebody who does not know about it yet, but we would not be able to make the show work without the people who uh, went above and beyond. Uh, we had a hype train earlier here on Twitch. So if you're subscribed to our Twitch channel at Vogue Network, uh, you can see our VOD storage and you get some emotes. You get my little wolfy emote that, that bangs its head. So, you know, if there's some great music out there. So Tiger Claw resubscribed. Thank you so much. And uh, Tiger Claw also went on an amazing vacation, went on a cruise, posted some pictures and the video in our Discord server. So if you want to see what arcade gaming looks like on a cruise ship. And wonder how do, what happens when the ship's going back and forth. It's called listing. What happens with some of those games? Uh, it's not answered in the video, but you can look and kind of imagine how some of those games would work. Um, it's really they're bolted to the floor and don't move. Like they they, they know what they're doing. It's fine. Uh, so Tiger Claw, resubscribe. Thank you so much. Hope you enjoyed uh, your vacation. Uh, I love cruises. I'm going on another one in a couple months. Can't wait. Uh, Pod Culture, thank you so much for the resubscription. And SJ, when I'm at, cheer 200 bits for the hype train. Uh, so thank you. And that kicked off the hype train. And then what I basically did is because when we have a hype train, I will gift some subscriptions just to get the ball rolling, get some more subscribers to the channel. Uh, and so I gifted five subscriptions. So Questbuster, Pixel Pockets, The Breakman, She-Hulk 10, and Sean322 all got gifted subscriptions by me. So you're welcome. But thank you for being here because the way the gifted subscriptions thing works on Twitch is that I say, hey, gift to five random people, and it picks five people who have been in the channel and watched our content. So you, the fact that you got gifted those subscriptions meant that you were here watching, and thank you so much for that. I really, really do appreciate that. And then DJ Rama S just now cheered 150 bits. Thank you so much for that, Rama, and thank you for the insightful call. Uh, we are in this together, um, and hopefully, hopefully, it's not going to be as bad as I say, but that really depends on how we react to the tech, and it's not the tech's fault. All right. So uh, let me hit the button here. I have to hit the button. The AI doesn't hit the button. And I will see you again next week. I still will not have played Baldur's Gate 3, but uh, apparently it's amazing, and you should go play it. I will see you next week. Bye. A winner is you. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts, guests, and callers only, and are not necessarily the opinions of the Vogue Network, people who need to hire new voiceover guys, or your mom. Although if Bobby said it, it really should be. This has been a production of Bobby Blackwolf Studios.